This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. For a full year, we've been looking at the life, teachings, and works of Jesus from the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're drawing into the end of Jesus' life, his final week of life on earth leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection. Let's review for a moment that on the Sunday prior to his crucifixion was the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. On Monday was the cleansing of the temple. Tuesday was teaching around the temple. And today we're going to look at what he did on Wednesday. And that was teaching on the Mount of Olives with his followers right before he would have the Last Supper on the next day. So we'll be taking a look at that. Last week, Ben, the topic was death and taxes. This week, it's time and money. Jesus is not really coasting here at the end of his life. He's talking about some really, really tough topics. And in all of these topics that we think about, you know, we as citizens of the world today have jobs in order to earn income. And there's always a balance between how much time do I put into my work in order to gain how much money and then for what purpose. And if I want to take more time with my family or for myself away, it decreases the amount of money we have. So those are held in tension. This podcast is going to be released on Labor Day. It's an interesting day. It's a day when we recognize working by not working. It's kind of an interesting an interesting thing. Well, not everybody gets off because the, those that do get off want to go to stores and restaurants and, and so forth and, and so on. But a lot of people do. And they celebrate it. Do you have have any favorite Labor Day type celebrations or activities or memories or that you and yours like to do? I mean, we'll definitely grill out because it seems like every holiday, it's just a given. You got to crank up the grill. You got to. Right. Make some hamburgers, some hot dogs. Um, Love to go fishing. But uh, I don't know what we have planned. Do you go fishing and then grill out? Yeah, but we don't grill our fish because nope. if I pull the fish out of the retention pond behind my house, I can only imagine what kind of chemicals uh, those fish have been swimming in. Besides, my neighbors might get irritated if I start eating the fish out of the retention pond. But uh, but this Labor Day weekend, I do know that I am going to uh, going to be spending my weekend, at least part of the weekend, in Chicago. Uh, we're taking Charlotte uh, to uh, uh, to the American Girl doll store to have lunch and so uh last time we were in american girl doll store they did not have the uh the dining room open because of the rona and so uh savannah has had opportunity to eat there when she was younger multiple times and so our youngest charlotte who is nine she gets to go uh gets to go eat at the american girl doll store um so i mean i I don't know much about american girl i just know they're like miniature me's right that that you can have is that so do they have like small tables and small chairs for the, right. for the <laughs> Hey, look, there are, crazy enough, because you can buy everything, there are like little chairs that connect to the table for your American Girl, girl doll to uh, sit in as you dine at the American Girl doll store. And then my niece, who is at Notre Dame uh, right now, just started her collegiate career at Notre Dame, and uh, she is going to come with us. So it'll be a oh, fun, nice. fun couple of days. Sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good time. I imagine we'll just have family together and grill out and play some games in the yard with with our children and our 
sons-in-law and our grandchildren and, and all those kind of things. What kind of games because, in the yard? Well, we have a, a variety of them. One of them is called this game called Mulkey that we play. And it's a, it's kind of like uh, bowling on grass, but not exactly. You knock over these little pegs that stand up and then they spread out. And then if you can hit the one that's worth more points, you get lots of points. So we like to do that and a variety of games. We just play in the, in the yard if we can. And then we'll come in at some point and we'll probably get into a massive game of pinochle or euchre. Uh, one, one of those things gets going but on. But so. no, no lawn darts. Like that's the game that I missed from the eighties. Yeah. When lawn you would darts, just chunk a spear basically up into the air. Yeah. He would just yeah. launch those things. Yeah. You know, yeah. My brother and I used to play those at each other. I, right. Not with each other. Right. Nobody got stabbed in the head though. I take it. No, no uh, brothers were killed in the playing of that game. So today we're going to be looking at these topics of of time and money as Jesus is doing some teaching, more parables. Interesting that Jesus, it's the it's his last full day of ministry with the with the public, and he's teaching parables. You know, a lot of times we, we think about winding up ministry or closing up ministry at a at a particular church, but Jesus went to the edge. And so here he is. On the next night, he's going to be with his disciples only at the Last Supper. And here he is on his last full day of ministry, and he's sharing new parables, new teachings with people. There's a, I think there's a lesson for all of us, whether we're pastors or anybody who is a follower of Christ, about let's go and let's maximize the moments that God gives us in ministry in every way. You've transitioned a time or two out of a ministry job into another one, and I know I've done the same thing. And I would guess that you would agree with me that we're to give it our all, right? Right to the edge until we start at the next place and give it our all at that place. Yeah. I mean, the idea that, that I've tried to live into is being faithfully present to the end, whether that's an aspect of, uh, ministry. And so, uh, you know, until the day that you actually leave, uh, your voc your voc uh, previous church, vocational ministry position at a particular church, you know, remaining faithfully present and hopefully uh, living that out until my final day. One of the, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Bill Ray who imaged that for me uh, several years ago. Bill had had a massive stroke. And so the last year of his life was pretty much nonverbal. Um, but Bill lived with joy and so every time you, you visited him, the, the one thing that he could get out was hey, and he would say hey and give you a big hug and a big smile. Mm -hmm. And I saw that same disposition and demeanor uh, out of Bill the final day of his life when he had his family gathered around, around him and uh, went to each one of them, you know, looked him in the eye, gave him a kiss on the cheek, gave him a hug, and uh, that's the way I want to live. That's really a good story, and what a testimony of all of us that there's no such thing as retirement from Christianity, from ministry. And I'm not talking about just for pastors. I'm talking about for anybody who's a follower of Christ. We don't have the luxury of saying, hey, I've done my time. Let somebody else do ministry. There might be a particular aspect of ministry in a local church or in a community or in your neighborhood that that we uh, move away from or, or maybe even grow old for. But we don't have the right to exempt ourselves from serving the Lord to the very end 
that's how I look at it. Well, in this parable, it's in Matthew 25, begins in verse 1. Jesus addresses this topic, sort of, the topic of time, as he's really talking about preparation in our lives for, for him, for his return. It's in Matthew 25, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Then Jesus gives his own summary to a story. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. All right, Ben, what, what's going on here is in this metaphorical story that Jesus tells? What's he driving at in telling this? on the, his last full day of ministry on earth. That he will return. There, there will be a second advent. And uh, to live with some urgency, to live as if Christ is coming back in the next, you know, the next minute. Um, so to, uh, to keep watch, to be prepared, and to live into his call. Until, is he saying there's no do-overs? Yes. You are correct, sir. It's kind of a harsh statement, right? Like, I mean, he's, for the, for listeners who think, well, you know, Jesus, he'll give us another chance. I mean, the, the picture of this, I mean, it's a, it's a story that's told about our own lives and when, when Christ returns or we die, whichever is first. Sure. That's it. Yeah. That's how I read this. Like, you, you can't then say, let me go back and buy more oil, metaphorically. Let me right. go back and now build my faith and build my belief. When it's over, it's over. Yeah, I think there's a an element here where there's a, a tendency for, for some to presume upon uh, the patience of God. Um, and so I think that that might be an aspect of what is at play here. Uh, the other part of it is, I mean, if I truly love the bridegroom, then I am going to be ready for the, for the, for the coming of the bridegroom. And I'm, I'm going to be prepared uh, for that, not just prepared, but living in light of my love for him. And so the idea that the, the five without the, I mean, really what they're imaging are these five who in theory claim to, to love the bridegroom, but are not living out that love. They don't seem eager for his return. 
But we all have pressure on our calendars, on time. And this this pressure that we have often pits us when we have these great intentions of how we're going to serve God and and give ourselves fully to God. It pits that against all the other things that we like to do or want to do or feel like we need to do in life. How do we how do we balance that? I think yes and no on that. Because I think no matter what we're doing, I think this is a problem, especially again within the Western church in particular, but we have this huge issue with compartmentalization. So the idea that in, in one sense I'm serving God and in another sense I'm not. If our identity is locked in Christ, if 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 uh, Christ is ultimately our identity, uh, who you know, as Paul says, to live is Christ. Then Christ is going to be made manifest in all that we're doing, whether in my work life, in my vocation, or you know, I'm out fishing at the lake. Whatever it is that I'm doing is seen as a means to be lived out for the sake of God's glory. So I'm going to live into my relationship with Jesus uh, no matter what. Yeah, my my wife, Lisa, is the one who's brilliant at this. We, we've been going to our nephew Abraham's soccer games, and especially she, much better than I, but she is building relationships with other soccer moms and soccer dads and just getting starting to get to know people. It's not like we're either going to be at home doing Bible study or at a soccer game. It's by being there, we're in the community. We're with people. We're in relationship with people. And we don't have to sit down at halftime and organize a Bible study in the bleachers necessarily, though that's not a terrible idea. But it's about building authentic relationships and getting to know people and and seeing God in that. But for, but this story has these people who are showing up with their lamps, but with not, no spare oil. So what's the, like, what's the message for us in this? What's the, the spare oil? Like, what, what does that mean as best you can understand it? The the best way that I, or at least the way I understand, it's the best way to understand it. But the way that I interpret it, the way I understand it, is just that they uh, are are ultimately um, they've become complacent, and in their complacency, have become almost apathetic and neglectful. So they're just not prepared for the return of the bridegroom. Let's move on to the other topic. That's a really good answer. Uh, other topic is is money. Yeah, time and money is what our topic today is, and it's the parable of the bags of gold. It says in the NIV, Matthew 25, and now we're in verse 14. Jesus said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Has that ever happened to you? Oh. Another, he gave two bags of gold, and to another one, just one measly bag of gold. I mean, that's... <laughs> Bring it on, buddy. Each according to his ability. Interesting phrase there. Then he, that is the, the rich guy, went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold, because he had that ability, gained two more. 
But the man who had received just one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. All right. Money. Is this about money? What's, what's this about as Jesus is telling this story? It's about living into our relationship with Christ. And, uh, you know, I think of when I, when I hear the, and there's more to the story than this, but when somebody makes the comment about, you know, well, the person was quiet about their faith, was quiet about their relationship with Jesus. Oftentimes I reflect upon this parable. It's the idea that the guy went and buried it, uh, in the ground, uh, somewhere. And the one thing Christ has not called us to do is bury our relationship with him. Um, again, as we've talked about in a multitude of podcasts, he's called us to, to go and bear witness uh, to him. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been talking about a number of strange topics, death and taxes, time and money. We, we could be talking about religion and politics. As, as those, you know, people don't never talk about those. And if you're going to get together, just, those are the you know, topic. And I don't know where that came from in our culture that we should never talk about our faith, that it should be private. It, it's a, the topic we don't want to bring up in our family, in our, in our neighborhood, in our community. Where did that come from? I mean, I don't know if you know where that came from or not, but it, it's a strange thought to me that, that believers, followers of Jesus would say, my job is to keep my religion, my faith, my following of Christ as private as possible. I cannot find a single example of that in Scripture. Yeah, me neither. And it's, it's contradictory. I mean, the, the universal command that, that we've been given is to serve as ambassadors for Christ. And an aspect of that, as Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 5, is that we're to call people to be reconciled to God through faith in Christ. And that there should be a desire toward that end. We should have a desire not only to reflect God's redemptive love, uh, to others, but to call people to experience that redemptive love, to share in that redemptive love. So if this parable is not really about bags of gold, but it's about maximizing what God has given to us, our character in Christ, our, our spiritual gifts, our calling, it's, a, it's about that you know, the faithfulness to him. Then now let's look at how Jesus continues to tell the story in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Not just ten bags of gold, apparently but a whole lot more. Come and share your master's happiness. Same thing happened with the guy with two bags of gold. You can read that on your own. But then the man, verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit 
with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. He goes on in verse 28, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags, the five plus the five. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a this story has kind of a, a pop to it there at the end for this this guy. What's Jesus driving at as he's telling this story? This is gonna last with them. This is his last full day of ministry as I as I read it. This is going to last with them for a long time. What's what's Jesus driving at with all of this? The uh the servant, the the so called lazy servant, uh reveals um Really, his la- i mean, his lack of faithfulness uh, to the to the master uh, in burying uh, his uh, his bag of gold, um, and all the rationalizations in the world that he could throw at the master, uh, you know, basically telling you know, I'm, it, I mean, his rational rationalization is self justification for burying it and and not. Uh, expanding on the gift that the master has given him was basically, I was, I was afraid that I was going to fail. Um, those rationalizations don't, don't cut it. They, they never do. They, they really don't in life. And I, I would agree that it's a temptation for us to take the easy path and to rationalize about it. But the call of Christ is pretty demanding, really. When, it, it's we we've minimized it so much. I know we've talked about it in this podcast that we we've like every eye closed, every head bowed. You say the prayer, now you're good, and we've. But that is just not scriptural. the The biblical call of deny yourself, take up your cross, sell everything you have, come follow me. Those those are demanding calls that Christ has on our lives, and He really doesn't give us the option of being half in. Yeah, and, and like living into those demands is born of love. Obedience is born of love. And so, you know, I, I uh, uh, my wife and, and my children, whom I desperately love, familial uh, responsibilities are demanding. Uh, you know, I'm not going out and playing golf every Saturday or doing things that are going to be neglectful of of my uh of my my wife and children and so to that end there's a responsibility that's inherent in in that love and my desire to love them my desire uh to foster those relationships there is a demand uh on me and so what we see really in the servant is we see a level of selfishness more, more than anything He's going to live his life as he wants to, and he has chosen uh, the lazy way. So rather than living in response to his master's call, he's decided to go do things his way uh, for the sake of his, his, his own self. Would you play more golf if you were good? No, I'm a horrible golfer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> me, me yeah, too. I mean, yeah, if there's any activity I could do, leisure activity I could do is, is to go fishing. The reality is, is that. I do not, I don't get to go fishing that much. Um, 
And and part of that is is because as much as I you know quote end quote love to fish, I, I love my family more. And so while there's opportunity there to bring them along uh, for the one that does like to uh, to fish with me, um, my my greater desire is for my family. My greater desire must be for Christ. Yeah, even right. even that. That's that's a good call. And by the way, depending on where you're fishing. If you hear four, that's my golf ball slicing over your head. Fair so, enough. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, uh, if you want to jump in deeper, we encourage you to go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or our church app and click on the Life of Jesus link. Next time, we'll be looking at Jesus teaching on the sheep and the goats as plots are made to arrest him and end his life. Until then, take care. Mm-hmm.